0: Well, folks, I want to uh, welcome you to the, the next edition of Matt's Mates. And uh, I've got with me Francis from Ghana, who's a, a good friend of mine. I've known Francis since 2006, I believe. That's when he came over yeah. for the Commonwealth Games. Uh, and yep. Francis, where, where are you right now?
1: I am currently... In Ghana, but in the middle of Ghana, called Sunyani, which is the Bono region.
0: Now, how is. The Bono region
1: is in the middle of Ghana. It's in between.
0: Yep, sorry, there's a bit of a delay, which is fine. But, but um, hmm. so, so help us picture how, how, how many people live in Ghana and where, where are the population centres?
1: Well, I think that in terms of population, Ghana is currently around 25 million people. And the bigger populations is in greater Accra region and the Kumasi um, and Tamale, which are the big regions in Ghana, where lots of the population lives. actually. And, the others are scattered.
0: And, and, and Ghana uh, is one of the most stable democracies in Africa it's in West Africa not too far from Nigeria uh, which is where so I know for a lot of Australians and Tasmanians (laughs) they see Africa and think everything's the same but it's Africa it's like it's like saying that uh, Europe and everything's the same but it's not Africa is a continent and there are lots of countries within the continent. Um, How is the COVID-19 crisis emerging in in Ghana at the moment how's it going?
1: Well I think that the COVID-19 it's a world pandemic and Ghana has its share as well I think that we recorded the first two cases in the very early days of March and currently as I speak there are about 834 cases that have been recorded in Ghana currently with Epic Center or centers, being in Accra and Kumasi. But there's been some regional distribution. There are regions in Ghana. I think across 10 regions, they have had their fair share of the COVID-19 positive cases. Some, while some have 500 plus, others have 50, others have 10, others have nine, and others have um, two and one respectively across these 10 regions. So there are six regions that has not been that there hasn't been any record of any positive case as now.
0: Now, if it really takes hold, what are the healthcare systems like in Ghana?
1: Um, if it does, I think that we don't have the capacity. The health centers in Ghana don't have the capacity to take. Um, so much when the, case, when the cases are enormous in our country, because we are, look, we are still struggling with our health centers and hospitals and things. Governments are doing well, but we do not have enough to be able to manage large cases currently. Um, it's a bit unfortunate even with this 834 cases that we have in this country, There's been a doctor that has been affected and lost his life. And the neurosurgeons are also complaining because if it does happen to affect neurosurgeons, that means other parts of health system of this country will totally collapse. Hmm. So we pray that we don't get there.
0: How is the government responding?
1: I think the government so far has been responding positively. There has been mass testing so that uh, people could be tested, uh, tested and treated. So we don't want to wait till we are overwhelmed with the numbers before we begin to see how do we treat these people. So government is doing mass testing so that they can get all those who are affected so that we can start treatment before the hospitals get overwhelmed. So Government is actually doing well. It's locked down areas that have been the epic centres as well. Government is providing some relief for the vulnerable in the society because there are food that is being distributed to the vulnerable in society. There have been some relief in terms of water bills, there have been some relief in terms of electricity bills. so there have been some stimulus packages to support the poor and the vulnerable in our society. So, so, far, so good, the government of our country, I think is doing very well.
0: And what's it meant for you and Olive personally? Olive, of course, is your wife. How has, mm. how has it affected you so far?
1: I look, I may say Olive is part of the frontline uh, worker because she works in a hospital, um, which means that she has to go to work and come every day. And with the kind of uh, threats that the disease poses, with her going and come every day when she goes and comes prayer, how does she go safely, how does she work safely, and how does she come home without actually contracting the disease? Because it will be a devastating effect. If she gets it, it means the whole family is going to be affected. Mm-hmm. We have other people living in her, so There are about five of us living in the household it means that we could be affected as well. But the other challenge that we have in the country, and Olive, has been saying it, is the PPE, which they call personal protective equipment,
0: mm.
1: which the government has not been able to supply enough for every health worker to be able to protect them. Um, Olive loves to work in the hospital. She loves to work with people. And it is her desire to be able to work and help and support people actually when they come to the hospital. I see her heart in that. She she doing that as a ministry for herself. But for me, my 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 desire and my thinking every day is praying and strategizing and asking the question: If it does happen in where we are, how would I respond? Hmm how do I actually respond to this in making sure that we are supporting the people we are working with? Fusion works with communities and it's the community that we work with that actually brings us the hope that we so desire. Mm-hmm. So how do we respond if it happens? So mm-hmm. I have been working and strategizing towards that. And as I speak to you, even though I'm in it's tomorrow early in the morning, uh, I want to be the ninth at your place. I will be on my way to Yendi, be able to assess the ground and see what is happening, what can we do, who do we begin to talk to in that direction.
0: So, for those that aren't aware, Yendi is uh, further north uh, and, and slightly mm-hmm. to the is it to the east or the west? East. Yep. Yeah, to the east. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's a smaller rural community north of Tamale uh And at this stage, they haven't had uh any instances of coronavirus, but if it does get into the rural communities, it is gonna be serious.
1: It's gonna be serious. There are about fifty two thousand people in India and its environment, and the people love their communal life. as we talk about social distancing, I think that even there, as I speak to you, they do not understand what it means to say social distancing. They still do their communal things together. They eat in one bowl. They sit together to play games and do stuff around. So it means that if it does affect one person, the effect in the community will be enormous.
0: Now, tell me, you, you were saying earlier, before we started recording this interview, that there's a, another disease you're more worried about.
1: Yes, I'm more worried about corona hunger. Corona hunger could come out of coronavirus, which could kill even more people than the virus itself. Corona hunger, because of the vulnerability and the poverty of the people, when it does happen and there's a lockdown, people may not be able to get the the food that they desire to be able to feed themselves and feed their families, which is a bigger challenge than the coronavirus itself.
0: So, corona hunger, i.e. that when when people are locked down, they don't have social mm. systems and things to support them and and it mm. could, could produce a man-made famine.
1: Definitely. And the other thing is that because of the higher levels of poverty in our society, uh, people are being laid off from their employment places and they are not being paid anything. And, you know, this came as a surprise. So people have not saved enough to be able to live on when there is a total lockdown or a partial lockdown for them to be able to survive. Um, And that is what we see. And that is my fear, that Mm. I pray that we don't get there. Because when we get there, it will be a bigger challenge than the coronavirus itself. And even as I speak, in the Upper West Region there is uh, other diseases that is affecting people, but because of the coronavirus, all the attention have been shifted to the coronavirus at the expense of other diseases who are claiming lives in our country as well.
0: Yeah. Well, Francis, how how would people in Tasmania and and Australia be, what's the best way for us to be praying for you and for the country of Ghana?
1: I think for me, it's just the courage to do the things that the Lord wants me to do, mm. to be a support for my friends and my colleagues and my countrymen, And I need the courage to be able to stand in times of the need. But for Ghana, I pray that the coronavirus do not flood our country. Mm. I pray that no matter how difficult it is, we should be able to protect and preserve the sanctity of our health system so that it doesn't affect so many people, such that we can be able to contain that. Pray for the government, pray for resources as well, and pray for those who are starving as a result of coronavirus. Pray that the Lord will provide for them and then protect them as well. But especially, I want you to pray for the front liners who are the nurses the doctors, the police, and the military and the paramilitary, who are the forefront of all of this, I know that they all have families, and if it affects any one of them, it means that it affects their family and it affects their community. So I pray for safety for all these people who are the forefront of the fight against coronavirus.
0: Well, thanks for making time to chat to us, and uh, I, I think in, in probably in about four or six weeks we'll come back to you and and see how it's going in Ghana
1: thank you very much I I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share some of these things about our country and our communities to uh, Tasmania and across the world